Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Why don't you um, turn with me to uh, Revelation chapter 3. We're going to dive into the Word of God today. Who's excited to get into the Word? Come on. I, I want the Word of God. Not, not, I don't want to just read it. I want to hide it in my heart. When you have the Word of God in your heart, that means it's portable. When it's memorable, it's portable. If it's hidden in your heart, then you can do something with it when you hit a bump in the road in the middle of your work week, all right? And as we've been going through this day, the 21 days of prayer and fasting, I want to encourage you today, for those of you that have been fasting and leaning into God as you come out of the fast, I want to encourage you expect a breakthrough. Anytime you looked at when people of God fasted in the Bible, when they came out of the fast, that's when the power came. Daniel, when he fasted, the power of God came, the answers to prayer came as he came out of the fast. Jesus fasted for 40 days. As he came out of the fast, he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's something powerful about fasting, and I want to encourage you to expect something different. Expect answers to prayer. Expect that which you've been fasting and praying and believing for. Expect it to come to pass. Somebody said, are you a faith church? Yes, we are. What's the alternative? Being a non-faith church? Yes, we're a faith church. We believe God hears and answers his prayers. All right, so I want to encourage you, expect a breakthrough as you're coming out of the fast. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the book of Revelation. Re- Revelation, it's, it's every, every book that you read, you'll be blessed. But it says specifically in Revelation 1, verse 3, that those who read this aloud will be blessed. It's a promise. And the people who hear it read aloud will be blessed. So y'all are going to be blessed today. All right, so that's a good thing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. It's life. Your word is living. It's not like another book. It's holy. And God, today as we read your holy word, we come before you in reverence, in honor, with praise and adoration. God, we ask you to speak right now. Lord, that you would breathe on us, touch our minds, our eyes, help us see, hear, understand something that we never understood before. I pray that the fire of your Holy Spirit would burn away any wrong thinking that we've had, any false motives, any anything that... It's just not of you, Lord. I pray that you would burn it away today. I pray, Holy Spirit, as I share this word, that you would take away any pride in my own heart. I I pray that you would use me despite my flaws, God. I pray that you would breathe on your word and through your servant today, God. And we just pray that we'd hear from heaven We'd hear from heaven, God. Everybody came to hear you speak. Nobody came to hear a man speak. And so, Lord, we're just asking, Lord, would you just speak? Speak to every person in this room in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. If you do have your Bible, it's in the front of the book. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's in the back of the book. Revelation is the last book of the Bible for those that are new. That was a lame joke. Super lame. We'll leave that there. We won't try. We won't try to do any jokes. Thank you. Revelation chapter 3, and in the course of Revelation 3, let me just tell you what happening is happening right here. John, who is one of the disciples of Christ, 
they couldn't kill him, and so they stuck him on an island to just kind of live out his days there. So he's on an island, and he's having a lot of alone time, and John is praying, he's probably fasting, he's worshiping, and in the midst of his time in Patmos, he, he has this vision, and he begins to write down what he sees, and in one of these visions, he writes down a few paragraphs, which is Jesus speaking, and he's telling John, I want you to share this to the angel that oversees the church here, and the church here, and the church here, and the church here. So John just writes a few little paragraphs, and we're going to read one of them this morning. And as he, he, he pens it, and then that gets put into a letter, and the letters get dispersed, and, and all collectively those writings is, is the book of Revelation. And so in Revelation 3, we're going to pick it up in verse 14, and I want us to lean in, and any time you read the scripture, we always ask, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? No matter if you've read this a million times, Lord, what's something new that you want to speak to me and to my heart? In verse 14, he says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Now, the amen he's talking about is Jesus. Jesus is the amen that's mentioned here. So Jesus is the one who's sharing. Verse 15, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold, I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's not what you want Jesus to tell you. <laughs> you're not hot, you're not cold, and you're lukewarm. And I just, I, it makes me want to just spit you out of my mouth. He's, try, he's trying to convey, he's using imagery to, to convey something to them. It's displeasing when you have a warm drink, it's not, it's not hot, it's not cold, it's kind of like lukewarm. That, that, that doesn't make for a good coffee. It's kind of in between. You either want it ice cold or you want it nice and hot, right? I want to spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17, he says, you say, I am rich and I have everything that I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now, mind you, he's saying this to a very prosperous people. This area of the world, Laodicea, it was one of the most prosperous cities in ancient Rome. It was one of the most prosperous cities of their day. They were prosperous. In fact, there was a time when the whole city uh, burned down and, and, and it was, it, there was massive devastation and Rome wanted to come in and help and they were so prideful and so affluent, they said, we don't need your help. We don't want your help. We'll pay to rebuild it ourselves. Like they were so affluent. And he's telling, he says, you don't, you don't realize that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18, so I advise you, so Jesus tells him, he's saying, I advise you, I, I counsel you, uh, I beseech thee, some of your <laughs> translations might say. He's basically saying, will you please just listen to me? I'm trying to tell you something, right? I, I want you to understand what I'm saying. He says, I, I'm advising you, buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then, then you will be rich. So there, there's a promise. Anytime you see the word then, when God gives a command and he says a then, he's given you a promise. So he says, if you, then. So I want you to buy gold for me. And when you do, then. Then you're gonna be truly rich. Also, I want you to buy white garments from me. 
so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. And I want you to buy ointment for your eyes so you can, you're gonna anoint your eyes so that you'll be able to see. And then he tells them this. He says, listen, I, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So I know that sounds harsh. In other words, Jesus is saying, I, I realize that that probably sounds harsh, that I'm telling you, you think you're rich, you're not. You think you're special, you're not. You're special to me because I love you, but you're not as cool as you think you are. Like he's, he's trying to drop the proverbial hammer on their pride and woo them back in. He says, I want you to know I, I, I love you. And that's why I'm disciplining you. That's why, that's why I'm giving John this vision. That's why, that's why this is coming through the way that it is, because I love you. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. And then the famous scripture, look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come right in. All you gotta do is, you you don't have to beg, you don't gotta crawl on your knees, you don't have to earn it, nothing. I'm just knocking. And if you will open the door, I will come eat with you. I will come and have a meal with you like a friend. And we'll sit down and we'll dine together. He says, those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. The title of my message today is an invitation to encounter. An invitation to encounter. We've been talking uh, about the word increase and, and the word increase was the word of the Lord for our church for 2024 that we feel God has given to us to steward. And so we've been praying about that and and leaning into it. And there were five key areas that God asked us to steward that we're believing for increase in. And that was number one, that we would have an increase in our daily and personal encounters with God. Our daily encounter, that we would encounter God every single day. And number two, that we would have an increase of our corporate encounters with God. Like we were having today and worship's happening. And maybe you had a moment where you're sitting here in the middle of worship worship and you're like, you know, you, you sing in the songs, but suddenly it goes from, I'm singing it from my mind and reading on the screen to like, I love you, Lord. All my heart is for you. Like, like suddenly there was a shift that happens. That, that's, a, that's an encounter with God in, corp, in our corporate gatherings. Another thing that we're believing God for is a, a raising up of laborers and leaders, that there's too many mature Christians who are awesome in the body of Christ that have been sitting on the bench because that maybe they got stuck in a, a church or a system that made them think that the person with the microphone was the only one who could do ministry, which is a lie. But some preachers like to believe it because it makes them feel, feel good. We, our, our vision for this church is that we would build the church from the pew before the pulpit, not from the pulpit to the pew, from the pew to the pulpit, that people are walking in the calling of God. Another area that we were believing for an increase in is that God's gonna equip us, equip us to be able to reach people that don't yet know Jesus. I want you to just turn and look at the, the seat next to you. If you've got a seat next to you, just turn and look. There's a few open seats here. If you see an open seat next to you, I want to encourage you, see somebody, see a friend, a family member. There's too many open seats in this church, right? Come on, there's people that need to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior that do not yet know him. There are people that need an encounter with God that have never encountered with God. They may have gone to church They may have prayed a prayer, but they haven't had that God encounter. And we're believing that these seats are going to be filled and that people that were once walking in darkness will have a revelation. God's going to come alive to them. So we're believing for that. 
And the fifth area that we're believing for is that there would be an increase in supernatural resources. And I loved it. Even this week, as we're in the last week of our fast, there was reports of people, people that were applying for jobs and they had an inroads that nobody else had. And then suddenly there was somebody who was praying for a building permit to be approved and it got approved at like the ninth hour. There's other people that have been believing God to be able to conceive and get pregnant and God's answered their prayers. Like there's so many different little things that we're starting to hear. I'm telling you, that's the heart of God. He loves blessing his kids. And so we're believing for an increase in all areas of our church. And you know, later on in the book of Revelation, there, there's a scripture that you might have heard about. And it's, it's a scripture that says, the spirit and the bride say come. The spirit and the bride say come. And you could read over that and you go, man, that seems kind of weird imagery, right? Especially if you're a guy. You're like, okay, so I'm the bride? Like, I don't know how I feel about being the bride. Dude, you just got to get over it. You're the bride. When it talks about the bride of Christ, you're part of the church. The church is the bride of Christ, okay? So, dude, you get to be a bride one time. This is the only time, men, that you can be a bride in Jesus' name. So, you're part of the church. The church is the bride of Christ. And it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. The, the, the second coming of Christ is when the church would unify and come together and it's a, it's, a, it's a time that has been ordained by the Father and it, it will happen when the church comes in, in, into unity. And it says the spirit and the bride say come. When the unity comes in the church, it ushers in Jesus. The, the church cannot come into unity without the Spirit of God, without the Holy Spirit. In fact, part of the Holy Spirit's job description for us in the church is to help keep unity. Because it's easy to get out of alignment. It's easy to kind of get off kilter. It's, it's easy to become like the church of Laodicea that it's all about me and my stuff and my house and my job and my business and my family, it's easy to get self-focused and take your eyes off of what really matters. But the work of the Holy Spirit is to help the bride come into unity. And really in the individual's life, the work of the Holy Spirit, like we talked about last week in fasting, is to get the order of your life corrected. Where you have, you're a, you're, you're a spirit, soul, and a body in that order. And that's where the spirit of God works on your spirit that begins to transform your soul, the way you think, your mind, your will, your emotions, that goes into your actions, how you live and what you do. That's why it really actually doesn't bother me when I meet somebody and they're not living for Christ and their background may look like it and their words may sound like it and their actions may also speak to that, man, they don't know Jesus. I'm not offended by that. I actually lean into that. That's par for the course for somebody that doesn't know Jesus. But for us as Christians, we should look a little bit different. Amen? So Laodicea, let me just tell you about this place. It, it, it was 40 miles outside of Ephesus. Ephesus, you probably have heard of more than Laodicea. Ephesus at that time was really the, one of the central hubs um, of, of the region. And in, in Ephesus and Asia Minor, there was a lot of exploits and a lot of mission trips that came out of that. It, you could think of it for you YWAM people. It was like a DTS, if you will, Ephesus that was raising up and sending people out. And 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 one of the areas that they impacted with Laodicea. Now, it would be in modern-day Turkey, and it was actually known because it did not have hot water or cold water. There was, there was a town up above them that had had hot springs. 
There was a town that was down below them that had, it was known for their cold waters, like the cold plunge, like a nice refreshing cold river. So if you, if you were working in the summertime, you would want to be down and do the cold plunge. You would not want to be up in the hot or you'd want to be in the lukewarm. And Laodicea, where they were at, they were about a mile away from the river. And that river was known in that area, it was lukewarm. So Jesus uses terminology that they can understand. So when you read the word of God, it's important. A lot of times you'll read the word of God and the spirit will suddenly speak to you and you'll be like, that doesn't sound like New King James version, uh, the way that God would talk to me. It's like, that's right, because the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to you the way that you can understand. Jesus was a master at using metaphors and imagery for things that they could understand and comprehend. So he's saying, you're neither hot like the town above you. You're not cold like the town below you. You're, you're in this lukewarm state. And, and I love you so much that I've, I've, I've come to tell you that that's not my best for you. And I don't know if there's anybody in here, but maybe you found yourself, if you're honest, you kind of feel a little lukewarm. Then maybe at one point in your life, man, you were on fire for God, like you couldn't wait to go to the prayer meeting or you couldn't wait to open up your Bible or you couldn't wait to go to the worship night like we had on Wednesday night, which was so awesome, just going out for that worship night and spending time in the presence of God. We're so grateful for our friends at Harbor Light that opened up their church for us on a Wednesday night. It was great. And, and if you missed it, it's, we're gonna do more in the future on a Wednesday night, so you, you'll be able to partake in that. But it was, it was an incredible time. But maybe you were once on fire, man, just you burned hot for the things of God where everybody was like, man, I don't know if I want to invite you to my party because I know you're just going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> Anybody ever had that reputation? God so got on you that you were that guy? I was that guy. And, uh, but hey, man, hallelujah. A lot of them came to Christ. My whole family ended up coming to Christ and they baptized them all. You know, you just never know when God's going to get a hold of somebody. You never know how many seeds you got to plant, how many times you need to till up that soil and get the weeds out before suddenly something's going to breathe on that seed and they're going to come alive to the things of God. So keep sowing seed. If you got prodigal sons and daughters, keep sowing seed. You got people that don't know Jesus at your work, keep sowing seed. I invite them all the time, but they say no. I know what it's like. I invited my family to church every single Sunday for like two, three months before they finally said yes one time. And then when they came, they were folded arms and they, they literally looked like they were weaned on a pickle and they were a little surprised at the church that I brought them to. But it's all right. God moved in it anyway. Sometimes, you know, you bring somebody to church and, and when, when I brought my parents to church, it happened to be what I would call weird Sunday. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> of course, they don't plan on it, but it felt that way to me. You know, I was just like, oh my gosh, what's happening? This stuff's not working, the band's off, whatever. Like I just felt, but the Lord works even on Weird Sunday. Okay, the Lord works. So Laodicea, so maybe you're here today and you're finding yourself in a type of place like that. Like I'm not cold, like I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not a non-believer, but I'm just not as hot as I used to be or as hot as I would want to be. The good news is what we just read in that passage of scripture, Jesus actually gives you the prescription. He shares, he shares what to do. And what, what does Laodicea look like today? If, if, if this was a, a letter being penned to the Church of California or the Church of America, let's not, I don't, I don't wanna offend any Californians. Let's say the Church of America, okay? So the Church of America, what does it look like today, Laodicea? It's, it's apathetic, it's lukewarm, it's half-hearted, it's passive. 
That's, that's what the church of Laodicea was looking like. And, and I would argue, unfortunately, sad to say, that's kind of a lot of the church of America. There's people that go to church, but they're just there in bodily form. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're not engaged with their soul. They're not really listening and eating the word of God. And they're, they're not leaning in spiritually and, and really coming to, to worship God. You know, a lot of times in America, we have this mindset that church is all about me. And, and, and I, I just got a newsflash. I don't, want, I don't mean to offend you. Maybe I do. But if, church isn't about you. Church is about him. Now, in some senses, it's actually for you. It's for you and I to come together, to have a time in a space where we stop and we reflect for all that God blessed us with this entire week, and we pause for a couple hours to come together and just say, God, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you that I'm alive today. Thank you for blessed. Thank you for pouring out your spirit. Thank you that I can worship you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for family. Thank you for a great church. Thank you for an awesome pastor, God. We thank you so much. You know, It's just a moment where we just pause, and we all come together together and have a, have a time, just have a time with God. But church, it's not necessarily for you. And I think a lot of people where we get off, and I'm telling you this, not pointing the finger, I'm pointing it back at me, I've been there. I've had a season of my life where I didn't want the, the church to feel like a battleship, where I gotta man a gun, or I gotta keep watch, and I gotta do, I, 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 I wanted a season where it felt like a cruise ship where I could kick back and somebody could bring me a coffee as I laid back in my chair or whatever, whatever your preference is, right? I, I, I wanted it to be about me and my family where I could come and, and just kind of check my kids in and then take off. Like, I remember a season in, in our family's life, literally, my wife and I came on a Wednesday night to our church because they had childcare. We dropped our kids off at childcare and we didn't stay for service. We just went and went out on a date. <laughs> Somebody might have said, dude, you probably really needed a date. I, I think we did because I really, those years were like a blur. I, I, bear, I look at pictures and I'm like, oh, we had three kids then? Like, I'm like, I don't even know where I was, you know? Like, I don't even remember what year it was. If we didn't have pictures, I wouldn't remember half of the stuff that my kids did. Yeah, I'm so grateful for the 40,000 pictures on my camera roll, right, you know? And there was a time when I went through that and it, and it was really all about me. And maybe you're here today, and man, I just want you to know as a pastor, I want to serve you. I, I want to serve you. I, I, I want to I get you a coffee outside in the, in the courtyard. I, 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 I want to sit back and listen to your story, and I want to I hear where you're I want to help you. I want to do anything that I can to serve you. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I want to model that. Every leader in this church wants to model that. But at some point in our lives, as we spiritually mature, uh, we need to be there to be able to serve, that we show up to give something, not to get something. I don't show up to sit back on a cruise ship. I show up to man a station on the battleship. And, and our prayer is that if you're here today, that you, if you need a season of being on a cruise ship, sit back, relax, we got you. And when you're ready, God's calling you, and maybe some of you, he's calling you today, that it's time to get on the battleship. Like it's time to step up. It's, it's time to man one of the stations. It's time to go all in for Jesus. It's time. What, what does that look like? Jesus gives us some ideas of what that is. The Laodicea, the, the, the type of church, it was that type of church where it's all about me, where it feels good. I love to feel good. 
I like it when the band plays my favorite song. <laughs> I like it when they're on key. I'm a musician, so it really rattles my worship when they're way off. Like, you know, like, so, so when a band is on key and they're playing and the time is good, like, like I love that. And, and, and if, if you're not careful, the Church of Laodicea, it, it's, it's where, this, this is a good way to say it, it's the church where the cynic and the critic love to go. And if you find yourself being more of a critic than a caretaker and a helper, if you find yourself being more of a cynic rather than leaning in and say, okay, I don't care if he got the right address right, the verse is still right. And, and that, you know, I remember one time that we were sharing and the wrong slide came up and I, I shared this scripture, but it was the wrong address. And so somebody made sure that I knew that it was the wrong address, even though the scripture was right. I, I get it, I know. Good news though, like when they informed the Bible, they actually didn't have the verse in there. It was just Isaiah, you know, like, so, you know, I think, I think God's okay with me, you know, like, okay, I, I whiffed, right? You know, I'm sorry. You know, if that offends you so much that you're gonna leave the church, God bless you, you know. But Jesus loves this church of Laodicea. He loves the people. And if you're here in, a, in that state, I just wanna tell you, Jesus loves you. He cares for you, but he cares for you so much that he doesn't want you to live in that state. He actually cares. He says, I, I discipline those whom I love, so let me just have a talk with you. And he shares this. And, and I love what Jesus said in, in, uh, in John chapter 17, 24. He says, Father, I desire that they, that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. When was the last time you beheld his glory? One of my favorite things to do on a Sunday morning is beat everybody on the serve team here and I just walk through this church and it's quiet and I'm all by myself. One of my favorite places to be is alone in a church. I just, there's something holy and reverent about it. And I'll walk through the aisles, I'll pray, I'll sing. I've even danced before the Lord in here. I just have that time with God. And it, there's something that's so refreshing and I, and I pause and I just behold his glory when I look at the cross that's behind me right here and I just think, man, Jesus, I, I think of all that you did for me on that cross. Sometimes I'll be worshiping and I'll look up in the balcony and, and in my mind, I, 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 I imagine, it's myself imagining it, um, that Jesus is just there smiling and enjoying the worship in the balcony. And I just wanna live out that, that prayer that he had where he's, he's talking to God and he's, you know, I wanna be one with them that, that they would behold my glory. You behold his glory, you're gonna come out of that Laodicean state. So Jesus tells him three things to buy, three solutions. He says, I'm gonna help you get back on track. And he tells him in Revelation 3.18, he said, so I advise you, he said, I'm trying to counsel you here to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, that you, you'll be rich, true riches. And I want you to buy white garments from me so that you will not be ashamed by your nakedness Nakedness, and I want you to get ointment for your eyes and anoint your eyes with the ointment so that you'll be able to see. So he tells them to purchase three things that only Jesus can give. Three things that only he can give. And number one, he tells them to buy gold, and the gold represents the eternal riches. He, tell, he tells them, buy, buy, buy gold. It's gonna give you eternal riches. Malachi chapter three, verse three 
says he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. You know, God is in the business of refining you. If you're not being refined, then my question is, maybe you're not much of a threat to the enemy and maybe, maybe, maybe you just need to humble yourself because you're too prideful. But re- God is a refiner. Uh, one, one passage of scripture says he, he's, like, he's like the potter and you're the clay and you're on the wheel and he's forming things in your life and you're changing and you're growing. You're, you, you, you're, you, you, there's, there's, he has a plan. There's, there's a purpose. He's, he's fashioning you. He, he's refining you. He's purifying you. And sometimes the purification process is when he turns up the heat in an area of your life. Anybody had the heat turned up where you felt uncomfortable, right? It's like, well, that's uncomfortable. He turns up the heat in a certain area because he actually wants to purify that area. So maybe if there's an area of your life where you just feel like, man, I feel like I can't get away from this thing, this whatever it might be. And it's not my job to tell you what the thing is. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But maybe there's an area of your life where the heat's been turned up because God wants to purify that area of your life. I can tell you over the course of the 21 days of prayer and fasting, there was moments where I felt like I got the heat turned up on me. And I didn't like how I reacted. <laughs> I, didn't li- I didn't like the thoughts that I had or the, 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 how I took something personally and I was quick to react. I, I didn't like that. Somebody could say, well, it's just because you haven't had calories in your food. Yeah, it could be that. But I think the Lord was actually working on old Pastor Jeff. You know, Like there was something deep in my heart that he wanted to say, hey, son, that's off. And I want to course correct you in this. So I, w- I, w- I want you to... I want, to, I want you to be purified. And then the second thing Jesus tells them, he says, I, I want, I'm, gonna give you, I'm gonna give you white garments. And what that represents is his righteousness. His righteousness. So he, wants you, he says, buy from me eternal riches. And, and I, want, I want you to buy from me white garments. What does that represent? His righteousness. Now, how many know you can never, Jesus isn't really gonna buy you. He's not gonna sell you something. There, but when you purchase something, when I purchase something at the store, there's an exchange that happens where I give them this and they give me that. And Jesus gave us the great exchange where he took on the sin so that we could have righteousness in our lives. Genesis 2.25 Goes, this goes back to the garden. And man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. This is the last thing you read about Adam and Eve before sin enters the world. Like they had no idea that they were naked, no more than the dogs walking around going, where's my pants? Like that just doesn't happen, right? Like they're not, they're not thinking that. Same thing with Adam and Eve. They just, they had no idea and there was innocence and there was beauty. But then sin entered the world after, this is the last thing you read about before sin enters the world in Genesis 3. There, there, there is shame that the devil wants to bring on you. There, there is shame that comes with sin. And every man's sin will be found out. My encouragement to you is to repent before somebody else finds out. That you would turn, you would turn that you would walk from those things that are trying to trip you up. Sometimes we can get so focused in, in, especially in an area like Orange County, you know, what we look like on the outside. We get so focused on this when God's like, I actually, I, I love everything about you because I created you, 
but there's something in your heart that's actually really ugly. And I love you so much. I just wanna, I just wanna talk to you about that. Let the Lord speak to you about those things. Isaiah 61.10, 700 years before Jesus, 740 years before Jesus comes on the scene, there's a guy named Isaiah. He's a prophet, and he has a moment. And in this moment, he, he, he begins to share. He sees things in the future. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. This is 740 years before Jesus is born. You've clothed me in garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. Sin enters the world. Adam and Eve freak out and then they hide. Jesus comes in the world. He says, I'm gonna cover you up. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take that sin. I'm gonna take that shame. He covers them up. Second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Let me tell you the challenge of sin. When you're stuck in sin and you get away with it, then you kind of think that God doesn't mind. Like he winks at it. Like, oh, that's not too bad. No, no, no. It, Peter tells you, he reminds you, no, no. It's, it's not that God's winking at it. It's that he's being patient with you. He, he's being patient, but he's wooing you. He's calling you. There's a better way to live. I don't want you to live, be bound in sin and shame and everything else. There's a better way to live. I'm being patient with you. Luke 13, three, Jesus says, I tell you, unless you repent, then you will all likewise perish. All likewise perish. What, what, was, what was Jesus' sermon opener? Remember, remember his, his famous ser- sermon opener, everywhere he went to announce that he was coming. What did he say? Matthew four seventeen. he said, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does repent mean? It doesn't mean just to turn away. So I was walking one way and I turned away. That, that's kind of, that's halfway correct. It's like 90% correct. It actually means, pent is, is your thought, pent. Like you're, you're, when you're, somebody's pent up, they're, they're, he wants to change your thoughts. If he changes your thoughts, he can change your ways. Sometimes you need to change your thoughts in order to get your ways to change. The reason that you keep struggling in your body is because you haven't done any homework with your soul. You haven't gotten uh, Nicole's book, and so you, you haven't read it and gone through the process of, of, the, of the Lord helping you brave that brokenness that you have where you could actually turn and you could see a change in your, in your soul, and that soul change is gonna lead to action and, and body change, and you need to begin getting right in your spirit, and then your soul and your body seem to... To follow. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here's the good news. First John, the same guy that wrote the book of Revelation, writes this. First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. I had somebody when they when they when they got saved and they went into the waters of baptism, uh, I, I was asking them, like, how do you feel? And they said, I feel so clean. And I think that's just such a beautiful picture like just to feel clean you just feel clean that's what happens when you come to Christ the third thing Jesus says he says I want to I want you to buy salve for your eye I want you to buy ointment for your eyes and what he wants to do is he wants to actually restore your vision some of you have lost your vision you used to have vision you used to have passion you used to have purpose man and something happened life happened family happened a challenge happened an addiction happened, kind of crept in there a little bit here and there, and then suddenly it's full-blown, and you've lost your way, and you're like, I can't see. 
I want to be able to see. I just can't see like I used to see. I, I, I can't feel the way I used to feel. I'm stuck, stuck in this anxiety and depressive state. I, I, I don't feel the way that I used to feel. I, I don't see the, the light and the colors. And I, I, there, There's something wrong. And Jesus is saying, I want you to have ointment for your eye. I want to I restore your vision. And actually the same word for eyes that he uses there is the same word that's in Ephesians 1.18 for eyes. It says, Paul writes this to the Ephesian church. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And you, I read this one time like, eyes of my heart enlightened. I remember as a new Christian, I'm like, I don't have eyes on my heart. <laughs> you know, that would be weird. Like, what's Paul talking about? Eyes on my, my eyes on my heart. He's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just from where you think from. It's where you feel from. Your heart, your, heart, your soul. Your, he wants it enlightened. What, what, what's he saying? He says, I, I want you to see your situation the way I do. If you could see your situation the way I do, you'd see that there's a lot of hope for your situation. Anytime you hit a bump in the road, Sometimes we could fall into this place of, oh my God, what am I gonna do? Where God's inviting you to a place where you would say, oh my God, how are you gonna work this out? Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna work through you. Yes, you're, yes, all that kind of stuff. But you gotta have your confidence not in what you can do, but what God can do in you. So the eyes of your heart, he wants to help you to see the things of God, how to perceive, how to make, how to make decisions. And there's, there's a story in the Bible uh, where there, there's a blind man who's bl- brought to Jesus um, at Bethsaida. And, and it means house of fish. It's a fisherman's village. It sits up kind of in the uh, northern area there in the beautiful Sea of Galilee. And, and when they're there, in Mark 8, Jesus comes up to this place. And in uh, verse 22, it says, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought to him a blind man. So they bring their friend who's blind and they're begging Jesus. They're like, would you, would you just touch him? Would you just touch him? And he took the blind man by the hand and he, Jesus leads him out of the village. Sometimes in order to see, you need to do something different. You need to go somewhere different. I went away over the course of the end of this week. I got most of my work done and headed out into the mountains on Thursday and Friday and just had a prayer time with God. I sat out by the lake at Big Bear. It was freezing cold. Sat there in my lawn chair, watched the sunset, and, and I just took in, I, I had no agenda but just to spend time with him. And I was reminded of a, a great quote by an author I respect, an incredible guy, Mark Batterson, and he, he made this statement. He said, a change of pace and a change of place usually equals a change of perspective. God wants to just kind of like alter maybe some of your perspective, maybe some of your perception, the way that you see him, the way that you see things. And so they, they bring this guy to Jesus. Jesus takes him out of the village and then he spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him and he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people but they look like trees and they're walking. When you read this, what does that tell you right now? So he's blind, but he perceives and he says, I see something that looks like trees, but they're people and they're walking. It tells you that he saw before. If he, he wasn't born blind, 
If he was born blind, he'd never know what they, he wouldn't know what that looked like. So at one point, he lost his vision somehow, and Jesus comes and wants to restore that. So Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I'm going to ask Kara and the band to just join me up on stage as we close out today. Is there any, of your, any area of your life where if you're just letting God speak to you in this moment where you kind of feel like the church of Laodicea? Where you go, oh man, I used to see clearly in this area. I don't see so clearly now. And maybe if you could just take a moment and just close your eyes. Sometimes when we close our eyes in an atmosphere like this, you can see better. And I just wanna encourage the Every, every person in here to ask the Holy Spirit just to speak to you right now. Is there any area in my life where I've gotten a little cold, where I've gotten lukewarm, where I've lost my vision, where I've lost my purpose? One of the things that I think is so cool about pastors Fred and Pam who are gonna be ministering next weekend is here he is in his mid 70s and he's as on fire as I've ever seen him on fire for the things of God Uh, he has more vision and purpose than I remember knowing him for 20 years and I'm like man let that be said of all of us that we never feel like we've arrived that we got it together that we never feel like coming to church is a cruise ship, that we never feel like our, our lives are just going along and we're good, God, we don't need your help. No, let, it, let us be hungry for the things of him. Let us not be lukewarm and passive in our relationship with God. Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. It's a promise from Jesus. There's a friendship with God that's available to every person here. And some friendships that you have, they're more of acquaintances, surfacey. It's not really a deep friendship. God doesn't want to have a surfacey friendship with you. He wants to have a deep, meaningful, beautiful relationship where he hears from you and you hear from him and you talk and you listen. And maybe you're here today and you just need to repent. Like Jesus told them, repent, turn back to me. Whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about in your life that is leading you more into a state like the church in Laodicea was in, whatever that thing is, All you do is repent. Say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. And then you ask the Holy Spirit, what do I do so that this doesn't have hold on my life anymore? For some of you, that might mean cleaning out your cupboards. It might be throwing that thing away. Throwing that bottle of whatever away. It might be removing those apps from your phone. might be deleting that name from your contact list. 
It might be getting accountability and saying, hey, I, I want to I walk closer with God. Would you just keep me accountable to a friend, a family member, a spouse, a leader? God, would you show me what that is? I want to give you just three very practical applications to deepen your friendship with God. Number one is set a time to connect with God every single day. Every single day. Set a time to connect with God every single day. I don't care if it's 10 minutes or if it's an hour, but you just set a time and you just say, Lord, I'm going to set a time to connect with you. You're more important than the hour a day I spend on social media. You're more important than the show that I love to watch on Netflix. You're more important than even that meal that I'm gonna have today. I'm gonna set a time and a place to meet with you. And the second thing is, have a plan. Have a plan for what it's gonna look like. I'm not saying you have to have the plan totally listed out like your relationship with God is some exact formula. I don't believe that a relationship with God is built on formulas, but he does have patterns of how he meets with his people. And he usually meets with people that are actually expecting to meet with him, that have prepared their hearts to meet with him, that are planning to meet with him. When you take time to make time for God and honor him with your time, he honors you with his presence. So make a, make a plan. It could be as simple as, hey, I'm just gonna set an alarm on my phone and every morning at 6 a.m., I'm gonna read the Bible. And you just have that carved out. Or you're gonna take a prayer walk. That's my favorite thing to do. I encounter God when I'm moving. So going on a prayer walk is one of my favorite things. What would it be for you? What, what does that look like? Make a plan, set a time. Number three, I want to encourage you the way my wife encourages me to be a good listener. <laughs> Just be a good listener. It's okay to talk. It's okay, it's okay to give God the list of things that's on your heart and mind. If that's first and foremost on your mind, he wants to talk to you about that, but he wants to go deeper than that. He's okay with that. He doesn't freak out with your grocery list. But he's not a grocery store. He's a friend. So if you bring your grocery list, he actually wants to go shopping with you and help you get all those items that you need that's really the root of what's going on in your world. And be a good listener. Sometimes I'll literally just sit in my chair and I'll have my journal out. I'll just say, God, speak to me. What do you want me to say today? And I write down whatever he says. And a lot of times... I never share that with anybody. I don't share that in front of the church. I don't share that with my kids, sometimes not even with my wife. Sometimes it's just from God to me. And I just write those things down. Spending time with God is never wasted. But if you want to take the term, what could your life look like if you, quote unquote, wasted time with God? If you just, I'm just going to go spend time with you. I'm going to go up to the mountains for a day and just spend time with you. I'm going to go out to the beach every Monday morning and I'm just going to prayer walk from 6 to 6.30 or whatever. I'm just going to spend time with you. I'm, I'm going to waste time. With, it's not wasted time. It's the most valuable thing you can do. Why don't we all stand as we close today? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I'm just telling you, I believe right now your heart's probably burning. It's probably beating very fast because the Holy Spirit is on you and you feel like, I need to get my life right with Christ. I know that I'm not right. I know, I, I, Jeff, you said that, you, you know, dealing with shame and sin and things that happened when after Adam and Eve, what, what happened in the garden, I feel like that's my life. If that's you, Jesus doesn't want you to live that way. He loves you too much for you to live that way. 
He loves you so much, he'll take you as you are. He, leaves you, he loves you too much to leave you as you are. He wants to see you grow. He wants to see you encounter him. And if that's you today, and you need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I am gonna be hanging out at the front of the church, and we have actually a gift for you. I have a brand new Bible for you I would love to give you. We'd love to get your contact details. Love to stay in touch with you. And maybe you're here today and you'd fall into a second category where you're like, this message is for, for me. I feel like I've been a little, I'm not as hot as I used to be. I'm not cold. I'm not totally turned off to the things of God, but I can, if I'm honest, kind of lukewarm. And I, I want to be on fire for the things of God. If that's you, we're just going to have a time of prayer this morning as we conclude this service. And I want to pray for the fire of God to hit your life. And so if you need prayer for anything, if you want to pray for God, the fire of God to fall your life, if you want to make a fresh commitment to God this morning, we're just going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to invite all the prayer team to join me up at the front on the, the right side and the left side of the stage here. And if you need prayer for anything, do not leave until you get prayer today. Amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.